Well, it's been pretty good because United haven't lost, which makes a change, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I was thinking earlier today, oh, maybe David Moyes is all right. It might come good. And I'm sort of thinking, why is that? Oh, yeah, it's because we haven't played for ages and I've forgotten what it's like to actually watch them play. Um, So, uh, talking of awful football, England play as we record so we can uh, have a little chat about the internationals but we'll be talking blind because we are recording before all the internationals are finished but international break slightly weird one this one in that there's no actual downtime in the Premier League programme straight back at it at the weekend United uh, at the Hawthorns to play uh, uh, relegation for the West Brom so um, a bit difficult for us that one uh, yeah I mean we had a break in the Premier League programme didn't we because Manchester City were too busy playing a cup final to play us I don't know got ideas above their station nowadays going off and winning trophies instead of playing the Manchester derby it's a, yeah well you know they are the biggest team in Manchester apparently although although Pellegrini is enjoying managing Manchester United I tell you what there's a few uh, few fans out there that wouldn't mind that one can we do a swap maybe are you one of those Ed no no I think we should have a, another transfer window <laughs> I can't believe we've started already so the reality of Manchester United not playing football is that it can make for a podcast with little content, but never fear, we're here to cover all the major stories of the week. Lots of very upsetting off-field things have happened this week. Today, Nemanja Vidic, um, I was really kind of grossed out by this, Nemanja Vidic pictured signing his new Inter Milan contract. Is it normal that a player who's leaving at the end of the season would have uh, pictures of him signing released by his new club? Yeah, it, it it is a little odd, and I, I I'm not sure the timing helps anyone. You know, sure Milan want to make a fuss about it, and maybe David Moyes doesn't care because uh, it appears that Vidic would have stayed if the deal had been right, and and Moyes had wanted him. But apparently, neither of those things were the case. I, I think it's a bit strange because are we saying we're not competing for anything anymore? We've we've given up on fourth place you know if it comes down to a 50-50 tackle and Vidic has got to put his body on the line are we saying that he won't have lost any edge given that he's signed for someone else and his mind won't be elsewhere so it's very strange rarely happens of course you know with the with Bosman's they can sign uh, up six months ahead of time and and Lewandowski's going to Bayern and we all know about that one and Mario Goetz uh, had effectively signed months beforehand as well and and uh, whoever Bayern decide to steal from Borussia Dortmund next will probably go in a similar fashion but it's not that usual and uh, certainly not the big clubs. And it really was the picture that got me. It was that kind of picture speaks a thousand words thing, because obviously the reality of the situation doesn't change. But there was just something about it, something really tangible about it. And it it felt like, okay, so maybe Moyes doesn't care. But I think that is further indictment of Moyes. If you look at, I hate to say this really, but if you look at what Mourinho's done to John Terry this season and contrast it to what Moyes has done to Ferdinand and Vidic, you know, he's, he's alienated them over worked them killed their confidence and their feeling for the club as it stands at the moment and and some of that's on the player right they have some responsibility they're supposed to be senior players I mean the fact that Nemanja Vidic angled in his contract to be made club captain last time round it's more complex than this but essentially it looks as soon as things go bad all right see you lads you know it was fun being captain while I was lifting all those trophies but no interest in stomach for the fight sort of thing and that's not necessarily what you associate with Nemanja Vidic and I, I certainly wouldn't say it to his face well no of course the, the inside track on this one appears to be that he he would have been prepared to stay if the if the deal had been right and and united were really only prepared to let him stay or offer him another contract at substantially reduced wages right which is a reflection of of the club's apparent value in him uh, and so I, I make of that what you will i think if united come up with the numbers and wanted to come up with the numbers uh Vidic probably would have stayed so it's not a case of him jumping ship and uh, being captain and disappearing I'm, I'm not quite sure i buy that as a as a story i do buy the fact that uh, Moyes has wanted to make a change and he's wanted to make a change for many reasons and 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 what you know this is this is a difficult one in in a way because Vidic is uh you know he has been a key defender he's uh he's been a superb leader he's been with the club for over eight years there's there's surely a bit more to come out of him it would have been worth keeping him around the squad given that we think quite a lot of change is about to happen in the squad he's one of the most experienced heads and you know there's a very good argument for for keeping Vidic at the same time he's lost a bit of pace um, alongside Ferdinand it 
uh, Leeds United playing extremely deep. It's, it's a really troublesome in in uh, Moyes' preferred 4-4-2 system. You know, if you think about the way that Ferguson played 4-4-2 when he did in the early years, he pushed the two centre-backs up, he, he pushed full-backs very high, and he played 2-v-2 um, in attacking versus defensive situations. United cannot do that. Playing Vidic and Ferdinand means United sit very deep, means the two central midfielders sit very deep. It means they have this huge gap between the midfield and the attack and, and uh, basically end up punting a lot of long balls forward, which yeah, partly is is by design and, and partly a consequence of, of Vidic and Ferdinand still being in the side. So I can kind of see why, in a way, that you'd want to make the transition. I just There's a lot of good arguments for keeping Vidic in and around the squad for at least another season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I also think it is, it's a, a question of misuse. You know, he, he's been used badly and that's part of the reason that that yard of pace has made so much difference because players adapt their game at that age don't they or they they should anyway and I think I think it'll be a brilliant move for Vidic going to Italy he's gonna he's gonna love it there right that's gonna extend his career by two three years or whatever and Mrs Vidic will be happy probably play till he's 40 there I mean you know he's uh it's not all about pace the game's a, a couple of yards slower they like a defender in Italy don't they all the cliches coming out here uh, I think he'll do fine, uh, and yeah, Mrs. Vidic will enjoy uh, shopping. Although, though, I have to say, I've been to Milan a few times. Can't can't say I really like it. It's the uh, Birmingham of Italy, I'd say. Hey, leave it, leave it out, son. No need for that sort of thing. Birmingham's got excellent shopping these days. You don't buy at all the idea that he's sort of bailing. You th- you you buy into the idea that he's just not been enough offered what he considers to be a fair price by the club, so he's going elsewhere instead. Well, I wouldn't put this on a I wouldn't put this on a two axis graph. You know, it's not. It's, <laughs> you know, it's there, there are nuances in the in the debate, right? So it's about what kind of deal they could have offered him, what kind of position status within the squad, and how United are doing as a team. And I'm sure all those things factored into play. He's still a, a you know a top. Player player of you know some degree or another uh, and uh, you know you you'd put your, this question to yourself if you if you were Vidic even if you wanted to stay and even if the deal was right do you want to spend the last sort of two years of your career the last two years he's got at the top uh, fighting it out in mid-table well yeah um, I, su- I suppose you don't well very clearly he does not does he and and this whole situation Vidic has never been on side with Moyes right this is a perfectly reasonable inference from from what's happened and another player that's clearly unless the press are just taking it and running with it and it was a terrible mistranslation but it, it basically looks like Van Persie and Moyes are done at the moment the breaking ranks after Olympiakos was a bridge too far and it's been briefing and counter briefing every day uh, pretty much has been a story either about Van Persie considering leaving or Moyes uh, considering selling uh, him and th- there was the, the phrase it is understood that he is keen on a ref- return to his former club that seems rather far-fetched to me but you never know I mean I think it's one of the fascinating things about this season how the the kind of narrative has played out between the lines of of the you know what is the public script so the public script is yeah it's a season of transition and Moyes has to come in and become his own man. And then, you know, from the fan side, it's been disappointing and a bit of a failure. And Woodward was, uh, you know, screwed up in the transfer market and all of that. But, you know, between all of that, there's some subtle stuff going on. So Woodward has a penchant for for uh, phoning the press in a way that David Gill didn't, right? And Gill only did it with the really big issues. And, and, and Woodward, it seems, is, uh, is uh, you know, has this kind of odd quirk about personally briefing and uh, you know so it, this has happened quite a lot so the stories about United's potential transfer fund how exactly United wrapped up the matter deal the issues around the summer screw-ups in the transfer market or otherwise depending on who, who you believe um, exactly what the owners do or don't expect their support for Moyes and so on and you know it all keeps coming out and then issues around individual players the the fact that players are clearly briefing the press in a way that would have never happened under Ferguson and uh, I cannot imagine for example Vidic coming out and taking a picture with an opposition 
you know, in a very loose sense, opposition, uh, you know, major European club uh, under Ferguson, for example, uh, you know, would have been handled in a very different way to transfer rumours to, to Van Persie's team briefing the press, uh, whether it's here or in Holland, uh, on a weekly basis. So, you know, it's really interesting how that, that kind of has played out this season uh, in a way that hasn't before. And then specifically on Van Persie, well, um, yeah, so the noises from his camp have been quite clear all season, you know, and I know people have taken individual quotes, but Van Persie's quite smart, right? So in public he says one thing and in private he's clearly saying another or via his team clearly saying another. And and uh, you can see it in the body language, this man is frustrated and not happy. I have to say, I'm slightly gutted about his behaviour too. I'm saying these things like both about Vidic and, and Van Persie slightly for the sake of balance rather than to just be... Because because life is nuanced and blame never really lies firmly on one side or the other. And I, 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 I have to say I can completely understand why Van Persie's behaved in the way he has because Alex Ferguson said in his book that he told him he was not going anywhere. He was staying for the long haul. I'm sure Van Persie was gutted when he found out Ferguson was retiring. I'm sure he was double gutted when he found out David Moyes was coming. You know, and especially after the first, what, six weeks when it was pretty clear what the Moyes era would mean. Uh, it's been pretty miserable for Van Persie, right? People get quite hyperbolic about uh, things when it comes to footballers. But think about it like this, you know, you get a job with uh, some hotshot CEO, I don't know, Richard Branson or, or whatever, and you think you're going to... Uh, work with this guy who you've admired all your life and uh, and all of a sudden David Brent turns up and uh, you know of course you're going to be disappointed so Van Persie was sold one thing uh, got another very shortly afterwards um, and and not only was it the the uh, the mentor that disappeared uh, but it was the style of management as well so for example, not being allowed to train in the way he wanted to until clearly he made a big enough fuss that Moyes did a 180 and started allowing him to. Uh, being uh, played when he was clearly not feeling like he was ready and overplayed and overtrained in the summer. So, you know, I have, have some kind of sympathy with Van Persie, even if it's starting to look like he's throwing his toys out of the pram. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, because I agree with every word of that. And now it's reached a point where his behaviour is kind of crossing some sort of line of professionalism because he kind of went out on a limb after that Olympiacos game. And I'm going to give him some benefit of the doubt for some mistranslation or mistranslation of emphasis or it just looks it looks worse than it was in the cold in the cold light of English. But, you know, it, it's that classic thing, isn't it? You brief you brief the press in your home country um, about things when you're not happy with your club in a foreign country. It's, Van Persie's far from the first person to do that. Plausible deniability. Absolutely. Uh, which I've kind of just given him all that benefit of the doubt, maybe. He just wanted plausible deniability. But either way, I, I've gone from kind of expecting it all to be okay and him him to work it out to being, I don't know, 70 to 80% sure he's going to leave in the summer. And I, I just think it's it's really sad. And, and, you know, I'm starting to really, really dislike David Moyes. And it's not because I don't like him personally or anything. It's the Moyes era. Everything about the Moyes era is kind of horrible. All the players I like are being marginalised. All the players I don't like are being given massive contracts and made captain all right one, one all of the, the players he's like the only one i don't particularly care for pretty much so it's uh, uh even he's all right anyway but that's just me i'm a soppy head but you know he, he doesn't like Raphael. he doesn't like robin van persie he doesn't like shinji kagawa it's like what are you trying to do last year we were on the verge of becoming a likable team and now he just built us around wayne rooney and it, it's uh it's just really unfortunate. It's it, the the style of football's horrible. And, you know, we're going into this run. We'll talk about the West Brom game later, but we're going into this run where we play West Brom away, which should be a complete doddle because they're in absolute chaos. But probably we won't make it look like a doddle. And then we go to we're at home to Liverpool, Olympiacos, and then City, and. Just don't think I've ever had this little enthusiasm for a series of fixtures like that. It should be really exciting, right? But instead, it's just the grim inevitability. If it's going to go one of two ways, we're either going to like scrape wins which keep David Moyes in the job, you know, or we're going to get hammered. And neither of those sound particularly appealing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I've got a few thoughts on that fixture list. 
First, just one last thing on Van Persie. I mean, you said 70 to 80% sure that he's going to go in the summer. I'm not sure about that. So even if he is unhappy, I think United's default position at the moment is uh, is the one they took with Wayne Rooney. So uh, they have Van Persie under contract for another three years. They have no need to sell him whatsoever, unless they get a good price and they have someone else to come in. But uh, tell me the uh, number of players that are available in Van Persie's class uh, for a fee under 50 million because there aren't very many and uh, and so that's a big calculation so be be interesting that one if if Van Persie did try and force United's hand which he clearly did with Arsenal uh, you know albeit in a reasonably subtle way and um, whether whether United buckle because I'm not sure they will you know there's um they've taken the default position now with Wayne Rooney I think and uh um, that probably maps across the other place, which is interesting. Just just a little sidebar. Uh, John Henry this week revealing that uh, Luis Suarez did have a £40 million exit clause in his contract. And it wasn't just, uh, well, we'll let you talk at £40 million. He did, they just barefaced lied uh, and, and basically said to Arsenal, come sue us. <laughs> That's amazing isn't it he, he basically said something like the uh the contracts in europe aren't really worth anything anyway it's like he's just blown the whole game wide open man well i mean you know a tort lawyer might <laughs> might might argue with that one you know they are worth something and the fact that united uh, held wayne rooney to his contract last summer when uh, rooney was desperate to join chelsea um, uh, you know, says they are worth that. Yeah, players cannot just walk out. So uh, Suarez could have taken Liverpool to court and said, uh, this is a breach of my contract. Yeah, absolutely. But he clearly didn't want to do that. And briefing this week that he's going to stay, even if they don't get into the Champions League, I think I think he might be saying that because it really looks like they're going to get into the Champions League, to be honest. Yeah, might, much as we'd like them to blow it, I think I think they probably will. And anyway, look, you mentioned the, the fixture list coming up. West Brom uh, at the weekend, the easiest of the fixtures through March. But then there's Liverpool at home, uh, West Ham United away, Olympiacos at home and, and City at home. And, you know, West Ham are, are doing all right at the moment, not great. But uh, I think they'll probably stay up. Uh, City going great guns generally. Uh, Liverpool, um, you know, blowing more hot than cold. So uh, it could be a really, really nasty set of results for David Moyes. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I I keep coming back to this idea that he's going to do just enough in these next few fixtures that he's not going to be sacked at the end of them, sort of thing. Like I don't know, beat West Brom draw against Liverpool and then a kind of, you know, I don't know, we, an, an unlucky late away goal keeps knocks us out of Europe and I, I think City will beat us at home, but I don't think he'd get sacked for that. No, and, and United, I, I suspect, will take a very cautious approach to some of those fixtures, right? So the Liverpool and City games, uh, I think Moyes will look at the table and think there's not much chance for us making fourth. With City winning the Carling Cup, sixth place gets a Euro, Europa League spot if, uh, if another of the... Champions League winners wins the FA Cup, then seventh place. Well, so uh, it's starting to look like it's not that difficult to get into Europe. And uh, going for a point uh, against Liverpool and City is is probably, in David Moyes' mind, acceptable. <laughs> it's just not, though, is it? It's just not. What is the point? What is the point? We'll get, we'll get sixth anyway, probably, right? Well, maybe not. Uh, that means we have to to get sixth. We have to finish above Everton and Tottenham, don't we? Uh, well, above Everton, above Everton. So, and and then we're competing with like Southampton and Newcastle for for seventh spot. That's our level, lads. <laughs> it's you know anyway. It's uh, it's not good and. Uh, no need to go on to too much of a rant about David Moyes because we had a big one last week and he actually hasn't done anything bad this week for us to have a rant about. Um, you know, having been kind of like easing easing up on my feelings about David Moyes as we haven't played, just talking about all this stuff is bringing it all up again. So, yeah, because I, also I think it's been three weeks in a row that we've had a big, massive, long David Moyes rant. But what else is there to feel like... I, I, I don't know. I'm really susceptible to the idea of giving him time. Like when when people talk about it, I kind of think, oh yeah, maybe they're right. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about some of this stuff. And then you say we compete with Newcastle and Southampton for seventh, and it's just so far away from being good enough. Anyway, as you say, no big long David Moyes run. Just a 
stuttering, frustrated attempt to say something about him. So, uh, any, anyway, this, this week I also wanted to mention um, uh, another of the players who's, uh, or people at Manchester United who've, uh, who've come into a lot of criticism this season. Tom Cleverley, a petition put up on the internet. This is, this is how low the internet is. Uh, gained 12,000 votes. Petition to uh, ban Tom Cleverley from the England side. Uh, I mean, I have to say this kind of stuff. Whatever you think about Tom Cleverley, it's pretty desperate and sad, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I really feel for Tom Cleverley. I think it's stupid scapegoat. I mean, I know he he said himself that he feels like he's being sca- scapegoated and held himself up to further ridicule by saying that. But I, I mean, it just is scapegoating, really. It's like, there's no way Tom Cleverley isn't good enough for the England midfield, by the way, also. Uh, he might not be good enough for Man United, but he's probably good enough for England. I wonder how many of those 12,000 signatures are United fans. Probably quite a lot, I would imagine. Cause... I, an internet poll is going to be swarmed by Liverpool fans, isn't it? Because that's what <laughs> yes, they do. clearly. Uh, clearly, but I mean... Uh, I have to say, oh, you wouldn't be that surprised the petition with 12,000 signatures was going around to keep it outside of United's midfield. You know, he, he's really despised by United fans, isn't he? Yeah, well, look, let's, um, let's separate the Twitter sphere uh, because it's own little bubble and, and United fans generally. I, I don't see any hate at Old Trafford for, for Tom Cleverley, do you? I mean, yeah, there's loads of match going Reds as it were, are very critical of Tom Cleverley in my experience. Not all of them, obviously, but there's 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 a huge amount of criticism for him from all different stripes of fans, the Twitter sphere, the broader kind of international fan base and, and, and match going fans. Anyway, well Tom Cleverley, I mean Roy Hodgson defended him and said when he's playing well and United's results pick up, then then he can take all the praise he can get. So uh... We'll see. Uh, there, there was a time, of course, when, when Tom Cleverley came in for a, a lot of praise and, and we thought he'd develop into a, a player he hasn't become when we thought he'd have a more expansive goal-scoring game uh, that he hasn't got, or at least has left him. Uh, and so I think, you know, a lot of the criticism is not only that he's he's very passive in his play and uh, he's very cautious and... Uh, in uh, his approach to the game, he takes very few risks, but also he hasn't developed to the point that many United fans want, and that frustration is disappointment as well as frustration with the quality of the player. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, I have no idea how good he is. I think he's in incredibly bad form, has been for most of this season, was pretty good against Arsenal, but I don't I don't think you can get an accurate barometer of what kind of player he is, given that he's playing in a midfield that's completely unsuited to his talent. Point made by. Um... Rob underscore B, Rob Blanchett, one of your uh, fellow list builders, who uh, who said on Twitter today that uh, uh, cleverly, you know, is decent in a four three three and completely unsuited to four four two. Oh, and by the way, most of the United players are completely unsuited to a four four, which I thought was a, a you know a, um, a simplified but fair point. Really, uh, there, there are many many players at United, given that we have about twenty five number tens. Uh, and most of our central midfielders uh, would do much better in a three in midfield. That uh, that yeah, we're probably playing the wrong system. Got the wrong coach though, uh, so it looks like we're going to go off and try and change the entire team in the summer to uh, fit the system that the coach wants to play. So the Daily Mail today, excuse me while I spit three times for having mentioned the Daily Mail on this uh, radical left-wing institution that is the Rankcast, but uh, the the Daily Mail saying that Manchester United, uh, David Moyes is looking to make eight signings in the summer and that Kagawa, Hernandez, Van Persie, Evra, Vidic... Ferdinand will all be leaving. Oh, and Nanny and Anderson. So there's eight players out uh, of the squad. Um, it seems far fetched that all those players will leave, but not out of the realms of possibility. No, I mean, I said, uh, I think they're just copying my piece from earlier in the season when I uh, said between eight and 13 players would leave, and some of those 13 are fringe because you can add Macheda into that and Bebe as well. Uh, Fabio's already gone. No, I'm, I wouldn't actually be that surprised given the contractual situation. So, you know, we know at least definitely three are going and Anderson, almost certainly Nani will go. And then then there's question marks over Hernandez and Kagawa in particular. And then you know, throw Robin Van Persie into there, which, you know, I've said uh, maybe not on that one. And, and you've got an awful lot of players going. Question there for me is whether United have the funds uh, and the nous. Uh, in order to go and replace them all, because uh, we haven't seen that so far. I think it's pretty clear that they don't, but we'll see. But it just further—it's further kind of indication of of what a problematic thing the David Moyes reign is, because 
it's all very well to say, you know, oh, the squad's not good enough. They're, they've let the manager down, but it's his job to make them not let him down. That's that's the kind of bottom line of it. And if you look through that list of players, and people people have lots of negative opinions about Shinji Kagawa, but I I think they're crazy. You know, I really do. I mean, I'm not entirely unfounded, but wrong. You know, uh, Hernandez. There's weaknesses to his game, but you can't say he hasn't proved himself to be effective as a Manchester United player. He's made a positive contribution on the way through. Robin Van Persie was our most important player last season, and Vidic and Ferdinand are two of the best defenders of their generation. And yeah, their their time is passing. But as we said earlier about Vidic, it, it was not inevitable. I think Evra may have gone either way, or he, of course, he may have been more likely to stay another season to, you know, mentor and manage the transition to his replacement if it was under Alex. Ferguson, but I think if Monaco come in with a pile of cash, you can you can understand him leaving. But it's just it just looks like absolute managerial negligence to let that much talent get that unhappy that quickly. Mm, it does, doesn't it? Uh, interesting. The uh, the uh, internationals run and Shinji Kagawa scored one, made one for Japan versus New Zealand. Not the toughest of opposition, I might add. Uh, elsewhere, uh, as we said. Um, uh, Smalling and Rooney starting for England. Carrick and Cleverly and Welbeck also in the squad. Fletcher uh, due to play for Scotland against Poland. Uh, yeah, well done, Darren Fletcher, back in the international scene. Yeah, Valencia. Uh, nice short trip this one, playing away in Australia. Uh, that's going to do his chances of starting at the weekend. A world of good. Um, France, France played Netherlands, uh, so uh, no Van Persie involved, I don't believe, but uh, oh, no, maybe he was. And then uh, obviously Evra for France, still in there despite uh, being despised by his uh, country. Uh, Nigeria were playing uh, Mexico, so Hernandez's opportunity to score uh, add to his uh, 750 goals at international level because uh, he's no good, but uh, he will end up becoming the top goal scorer in Mexican history very shortly. Fellaini playing for Belgium against the Ivory Coast. Bun- bunch of um, bunch of kids in the England under 21s as well. Keane, Lingard, Zaha, Johnston, all in the, uh, the England under 21 setup. Uh, so yeah, quite a few United players out uh, with the internationals. Quite a few will go to the World Cup. Uh, yeah, around a dozen or so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Juan Mata not in the Spain squad, which just makes you look at Spain and go, it's just not fair. It is just not fair. <laughs> like international football wise, they've got the whole thing locked up. Right? It's uh, it should be considered cheating, basically. Um, I'm looking forward to us buying the majority of the German midfield in the summer, though. That'll be good. Ah, uh, yes. If Bayern Munich don't get in there first, of course. Which they will, of course. All right, let's do a bunch of Twitter questions because there's not been games. So, um, at DA10EL says, Watching Norway's friendly, Mats Moladali looks like Shinji on speed. Would Mats be a hit at Dortmund, do you think? Uh, maybe. He seems good. I think he might have been good enough to stay at United if he didn't want the first team football straight away that he did want. Because he's a pretty good player, isn't he? But talented lad, and uh, we'll see where he goes with his career. You know, he's very, very young, and he may or may not make it at the top level. But um, you know, he's taking a circuitous route through to the top. Uh, maybe it'll work out for him. Maybe he uh, will come to wish that he was at United. I mean, um, I think for a lot of young players who stick around at United until they're twenty-two, twenty-three, you kind of wonder whether they should have gone earlier so he took the bold decision decided that he wasn't there wasn't a route through to the first team for him uh, went back home back in the Premier League uh, you'd think he'd get an opportunity at Cardiff that he wouldn't have done at United yeah absolutely and, and if you look at it cleverly that's it right in the United team of that sort of age profile not I mean they're older than Matt's but you know takes a long time to break through into the United first team there's there's only really Evans is the other one right um but there's there's very few in the first team so uh, yeah cleverly Welbeck Evans uh, that's about it um at Ed Barber says I'm unable to watch Manchester United this weekend should I be pleased T- depends on the result mate um <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I think we'll that let's let's do that retroactively um no it's always all right to watch Manchester United even when they're bad they're still Man United you know I don't know if that makes any sense but I kind of always end up preferring watching them even when they lose really look that's that's what being a fan's about isn't it you want to watch them because there's always some hope even with Dave Moyes in charge 
And uh, as Jonathan Wilson said on the Guardian podcast this week, it's uh, it's winning isn't everything. It really isn't. It, it, like the the expectation that you it's nice when you win, but it's it doesn't have to be an expectation. It doesn't have to be a prerequisite of enjoying football. No, no, right. Uh, you like to be entertained by some good football as well. <laughs> oh, out of the two of us, let me just remind you, listeners, I'm the one who's overtly moise out. At Graham P. Chapman says, uh, "What would you like to see David Moyes giving up for Lent?" Managing Manchester United, obviously. Breathing? No, not breathing. Uh, <laughs> <I'm> just <kidding. laughs> the long ball. <laughs> yeah, crossing maybe. That's sort of weirdly religiously appropriate. Talking to the press, saying the word "try." That's it. You've got to give up the word "try" for Lent. He, there's no way David Moyes could stick to that for the whole period of Lent. Will Manchester United have to set up a support line if this month goes as badly as it could for us? Says at Billiam MUFC. No, that's what the internet's for. He'll be fine. There is a support line. It's called the season ticket sales office and uh, they're doing all the outbound calling to try and get people to sign on. Uh, It'd be interesting how the... uh season ticket sales go of course you know traditionally many of them come in quite late although the deadline keeps getting it earlier uh, but uh, uh, no decision yet made on whether United will both include the Europe, Europa League in the automatic cup ticket scheme and whether it will be at full price uh, be interesting some some noises that it won't be included and the ticket prices will be cut which would be a very good decision but uh, we'll see on that one uh, yeah, absolutely. And when we finish seventh, uh, it won't matter anyway. Well, maybe. Yeah. At JSF underscore seven says name one defender, midfielder and attacker you want at United next season. Brackets, realistic options. Uh, I just I just lost all sense of what's realistic and what's not realistic. Like Tony Cruz, does that count as a realistic option? Won't go away. They talk about it. But to me, it feels like Fabregas all over again. Uh, yeah, I mean, right right at this point, I'd say he's probably quite happy to use the United connection to aid his contract negotiation. So I'm not sure that's realistic. Gundogan is probably realistic, although looks like Bayern are sniffing around. On the defenders' front, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of left-backs I like. Kurosawa at, at Monaco. Um, uh, you know, he's... I think he's got more talent than he's actually shown this season. Um, and Rodriguez uh, in the Bundesliga, who's very, very good. I do like him. Um, it looks like uh, actually United sniffing around Felipe of Atletico Madrid, which, you know, yeah, he's he's good, but we'll see. Um, and what else did I have to give? I had to give a, a, a forward. I'd give a forward I like. Uh, can we can we muscle in on Lewandowski? <laughs> no, very clearly not. Uh, Edin- Edinson Cavani's not happen- happy about being played on the left wing at Paris Saint-Germain. I see no problem financially with us matching the wages he's on there. Mm, yeah, plus the 60-odd million pound fee. Yeah, I don't think that one's very realistic either. No, absolutely. Um, uh, Moreno from Sevilla, the left back. And, and you know, Coque signed another uh, contract. Is it Coque or Coke? I don't know. Let's go with, let's go with Coke and be really ignorant. Um, he signed a, a, another contract. What, what do you prefer, Paul? <laughs> Coque or uh, Coke? I like his football ability either way. And he signed a new contract, so he'll be expensive. But I don't know if that's a, a deal breaker or not, or if it was just a contract to, to get value out of a, a potential sale. Uh, but we'll see on that one. That one's gone a little quiet for sure, hasn't it? Since he signed that contract. At Benny Hudson says, would you rather be stuck in a lift for one hour with a Glazer apologist or a Moyes apologist? Definitely a Moyes apologist for me. Uh, yes, uh, the Glazer the Glazer lot I, I've just had enough of. I can't even bother talking to them anymore. I just hit the block button straight away. Uh, the, the thing with the, the Moyes apologist is I kind of I kind of want to be a Moyes apologist at heart. You know, I, I, I just can't find it in my... Uh, intellect to do it like I can't I can't find a way at which it makes sense but I'm perfectly happy to talk for an hour with a Moyes apologist uh, but Glazer apologists are just ignorant you know that's the it's the only thing and I, I it sounds really insulting to call people ignorant but I don't even mean it as an insult I mean they just haven't educated themselves properly on the truth of the situation because if you're a Glazer apologist then you literally literally just don't understand the situation uh, so yeah there we go um, and unless you're a Glazer apologist in the sense that you're like personal friends with them and you care much more about their financial well-being than Manchester United in which case it's perfectly reasonable to be a Glazer apologist but no other circumstances exist in which it is reasonable yeah at underscore Akalik Arif says I'm finally in time 
referring to Rankar's questions, he says, uh, being as I am firmly Moyes out, meaning me, not him, if he was fired today, who could conceivably replace him? I think you just get someone in the interim and then get a proper manager in the summer. Uh, that's, that's, and I think we've had fairly lengthy discussions about uh, possible replacements. I think there's a lot of really excellent, really attainable uh, replacements out there this summer. Ring, 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 ring. Uh, yeah, uh, her Presidente... Uh... Oh, of Borussia Dortmund, yeah, yeah. Would you take two hundred million pounds for Klopp, Hummels, Gundogan, Royce? Who else can we steal? <laughs> That'll do, frankly. I reckon that's value at that price. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Absolutely. And uh, if that doesn't work, hola, el presidente. Uh, Como vamos, el Diego Simeone? Uh, yeah, um, interesting character, Diego Simeone. I uh, wonder how well he'd adapt to Old Trafford life. I mean, um, said to be a very determined, fiery sort, uh, which you could probably you know believe because uh, he was that kind of player on the pitch too. You say said to be a determined, fiery sort. I, I, I'm pretty sure visibly with your own eyes watching him as a footballer on the touchline, a, a fiery, determined sort. Yes, I mean, the thing that worries about me is the hue of his face on occasion. He, he does have this tendency to go a little red. So, oh, you know, great, great for following Fergie. He he did the same thing too. Absolutely. Red Diego is ready made. Okay. At Hunt underscore Bunt says, uh, why was Jesse sent on loan and not into the matchday squad? Would rather see him getting a chance over Tony and Young. Well, because because I think you know the answer to that one, because he wasn't going to get that opportunity. So better for him to see out the season. Little odd, though, that he uh, he had that weird little break back with the reserves and then went out alone to a different uh, different spot though I, I think it's interesting I think you know obviously Moyes had a long look at him pre-season decided he wasn't quite ready where Jan as I was and I think he wanted to see whether that time in the championship had got him to whatever that kind of level was I, I, I do think it's possible he'll be involved in the first team next season though but also it's possible he'll be shipped out because you know young players it's it's such a delicate thing isn't it transitioning a young player into the first team there are very few Adnan Yanazais, very few players who make it abundantly clear that they belong at the top level at ABC MSAG, a uh, friend of the rank cast, Alex Dixon, asks who we think the next captain should be. And I would say player who made it abundantly clear that he was ready to perform at the next level. Danny Welbeck, obvious choice for captain for the next 15 years for Manchester United. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Wayne Rooney is, uh, he's, he's got the job, basically, hasn't he? Uh, which um, I find disgusting on many levels. Uh, I w- I'd probably pick someone who um, who's matured to that position, you know, maybe Johnny Evans uh, or, or Dan. Aaron Fletcher De- depends what we're talking about are we talking about a club captain or an on the pitch captain because I think they're two different things I think the club captain is an ambassador for the club which is why you don't want someone who's desperate to get out twice shags prostitutes smokes and drinks all the time being club captain if it's uh, if it's about leadership on the pitch if it's about the organization and the the, the kind of manager on the pitch then I'm not sure that United have an obvious candidate right now no, uh, the 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 big game fiery battle machine that is Michael Carrick, perhaps not the uh, the best option in, in that regard. So loads and loads of people asking a variation on this question, but at Speedy underscore Sport says, should Vidic now be dropped permanently? What, what do we gain? Uh, I, I think you judge him on his performances. So if it looks like the edge is gone, then um, he'll lose his place because the edge has gone, and there'll be players performing better than him um, as a punishment for going mid-season. Uh, why, uh, David? Moyes tells us that it's mutual yeah absolutely uh although that quote does literally go something like it's a mutual decision he came into my office and told me he was leaving <laughs> yes yeah did you think David Moyes got dumped As... a lot <laughs> I hope not I wouldn't like to think that uh, at TM181989 says, which is worse, Rooney as captain or Michael Owen in the number seven shirt? Ro- Rooney as captain's worse because you can write off the shirt number thing if you try hard enough. It's just like, oh, well, it doesn't matter anyway. Yes, well, um, Owen was a poster boy for Glazonomics. Um, and uh, Rooney's a poster boy for himself. Rooney's a poster boy for a slightly different version of Glazonomics in a lot of ways. He uh, Rooney's like a Woodwoodnomics signing, isn't they? Didn't quite work. You need something that rings more, you know, Woonomics. Edconomics. Right, at Daddy Dave Bear says, is there anything Moyes could do before the end of the season to convince you he's the right manager for next season? Convince me no, offer some hope, definitely. 
more tactical flexibility, uh, an improvement in the way he deals with the press, a sense that he's moving away from frontline coaching into a more observer type role and uh, an improve, uh, a conscious decision to improve his relationship with senior members of the squad. So the whole lot then? Yeah, basically. What about you, Ed? What do you want to see between now and the end of the season from Moyes? Uh, United uh, flipping the bird to the long ball and playing some tiki-taka. Attacking, exciting football. United uh, being a bit more gung-ho and taking a few risks. Because frankly, United have to, right? This is uh, Unless we're saying we've given up entirely on the season and uh, you know, unless we're saying fourth is, is gone, which, you know, presumably it has you know we're with the game in hand even so it's it's still what looks like 11 or 12 points uh, depending on the permutations probably has gone with 10 games to go but shouldn't we be chasing all the way I mean I don't think United would have given in previous years if United had been 10 points behind the Premier League leaders with 10 games to go uh, Ferguson's team would be trying to chase that down so a bit of hunger um, uh, you know, and some risk taking and trying to win some football matches. And I think it's very unlikely that we're going to see that, basically. Or, or so far, we've seen nothing that would indicate that we are likely to see that. And a team that includes um, Yanazai, Mata, and and Kagawa all in the same side, oh, all at the same time. The dream, the absolute dream. Um, I've got a question that I, I quite like. This question. It's from at John Blaze. He said, "Why is Ed so political when uh, asked whether or not he's Moyes out? Is he planning to join the MUFC board?" Yeah, if they pay me my uh, my due. So I think Ferguson gets a hundred thousand pounds an hour. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll take a little bit less than that, but not much. At 44FM says, do you think David Moyes' job will finally become untenable if he headbutts Yusuf Malumbu on Saturday? Well, that's true. I mean, I'd, I'd take on a, a more realistic target. I mean, if he took out Luis Suarez when United play Liverpool in a few weeks' time, I, I think you'd win a lot of fans. Just just saying, Davey, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting violence here, but, but if that happened, if frustration got the better of you, you know, you, you might be able to save your uh, your reputation with the Old Trafford faithful. A little backstory to the next question. Uh, for those of you not on Twitter, friend of the Rankcast and indeed son of a friend of the Rankcast, at Jack K. Holt, uh, runs a uh, super mega geeky Twitter account, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, where he just periodically tweets all the players that have played for United and how many appearances they've got and how many goals they've scored. Got about, you know, 100 to 150 followers. And he was contacted by Twitter, who had been contacted by Manchester United, giving him a cease and desist order from using the Manchester United crest as his avatar for for that account. Got some attention, funnily enough, soon was reactivated to that account. In fact, Jack was uh, pursued by local press uh, asking for quotes and, and to make a story out of it, which he, he didn't want to do. But obviously this was very overblown response from Manchester United but but this is brand protection at its finest right it's going after completely innocuous things because you sort of in some ways you kind of have to to protect the copyright but also there must be tens of thousands of accounts on Twitter using uh, the Manchester United crest uh, in their avatar. Uh, yes, I, I assume there's some kind of agency out there that's uh, looking into this thing. I've had cease and desist orders from uh, the football data company in the past about using fixture lists because uh, the powers that be attempt to squeeze a margin out of these days so you can't even publish a fixture list. Uh, actually, when I had that argument with them, I, um, I worked out that you're allowed to talk about two games... That doesn't count as a list. But if you talk about three games in any, right, uh, a list of three game fixtures in a row, uh, that counts as a football fixture list and therefore you have to pay a license fee for it. So um, I've been contacted by images. Uh, I think people are, um, you know, pretty well aware of uh, image rights these days. So um, uh, copyright breach over images and, and so on. So I think the surprising thing about this is not that United are legally wrong. It's their copyright. They haven't given permission and they can charge a fee, but they bothered to do it with one Twitter account and not the, the thousands of others that use that symbol too. And and what did they attempt to think they were going to gain from it as well? It's sort of such ridiculously poor PR. My, my personal feeling is that it triggered a thing because, you know, you have your Twitter at, handle but you also have a a name in there and it was Manchester United was there as the name which I think 
I think that might have been what attracted their attention. But anyway, all this as a, a kind of interesting side story and a backstory to Jack's Rankar's question this week, which says, if you were United's brand protection analyst, what things would you immediately put a ban on? And he says, you can't say David Moyes, that's too obvious. I, I wouldn't, I think is the answer, because uh, unless you're actually trying to protect the genuine commercial interest, which is you know really around piracy of broadcast content uh, and piracy of commercial merchandise then then trying to protect the brand is pointless because for the most part united gains significantly um over brand exposure and, and look here's here's the reason why and we think football is big business in reality compared to the big industries of the world uh, health automotive housing telecommunications it's puny Right, football's puny because it has a monetization problem. It's, it has it finds it very difficult to monetize um, everything that goes on around the industry. So it monetizes ticket sales, commercial income, broadcast. It doesn't monetize all the ancillary stuff. So Manchester United is not making any money uh, about that, uh, from us doing a one-hour podcast on the internet each week, even though we are leveraging their brand. Uh, to do so and and uh, th- you know this is generally the the problem with football but on the other hand what united have done is start to leverage that wider appeal so the fact that we're talking about manchester united the fact that there are loads of websites the fact that there are fans in you know uh, rural china talking about manchester united means that manchester united can sell that brand name to random companies around the world and and that that's what they're leveraging so actually you know it, exposure and more exposure is good it's almost like a freemium model uh, where you get as much uh, much of an audience as possible and then try and uh, monetize a complementary product rather than the kind of direct sales model of the past you know that's kind of one of the reasons why uh, that action surprises me really who cares uh, if someone is using the logo as long as they're not trying to pass themselves off as being an official channel uh, yeah absolutely and and in answer to your question it's pretty clear from what ed said that the first thing a brand protection analysis should do uh, is shut down the rank cast because <laughs> we're clearly leveraging manchester united's brand for our own commercial gain oh no wait we don't make any money out of it either i, I think we should start a new campaign here you know, rank cast out <laughs> hashtag um, uh, talking of Rankcast out, there will be another Rankcast out next week. But before that, Manchester United do play a football match against West Bromwich Albion. Boom. How do you see? <laughs> I know football Down with rubbish. This sort of thing. Yeah, we could be talking about transfer rumours and having a pop at the manager. But no, we've got to talk about actual football. I think that we are not going to see four 0 to the baggies. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to see Robin Van Persie in this one because he is ill, uh, presumably with Moisitis. We are not going to see Tom Cleverley uh, and I think it's very unlikely that we'll see any of the players that have travelled long distances so no Kagawa no Hernandez not anything unusual about that but no Valencia either will he play Ashley Young or is he going to go for what I would do which is play Welbeck ahead of Rooney uh, with Mata and Yanazai on either side oh I've wishing made it so yeah no he's going to play Valencia and Young um, isn't he <laughs> No, although although Valencia probably won't play because uh, he's got that long trip back from Australia and, and won't arrive till Friday. So realistically, I think Matt will play on the right-hand side and perhaps Young will play on the left, but we'll see. Will he play Welbeck uh, or Hernandez? Well, you know, one, one or the other. I mean, pretty much always sticks with a 4-4-2, doesn't he? Although maybe he'll go radical and he'll play... Rooney up top and Fellaini in the hole. <laughs> yes, possibly so. I mean, against Crystal Palace, he didn't play a flat four four two, and he played Yanazai and Mata. So that gives me some hope that he will play two playmakers in this game. He definitely, definitely, definitely should play two makers playmakers in this game because. It's funny, I, I did a, a little Q&A thing with a West Bromwich Albion site this week and, and I, I was thinking, in the old days, uh, if a team like West Brom saw us get beat by Olympiacos in the game before we played them, they'd be absolutely terrified because they'd be thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to be on the end of the response here and that's what should happen this weekend. But actually, I'm not sure that this team's got the character to make that happen, really. Well, the response, uh, we've I think it's just an empty cliché. Uh, yeah, we've just not seen it. Uh, so uh, I can't tell you what kind of performance United will will bring out. Or will it be the one similar to Crystal Palace, where we actually you know, play some decent football and not a brilliant performance, but play some decent football and 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 had two players tucking in? Will it be back to basics, uh, knock it long and wide, and try and get crosses in? Who knows? And and uh, certainly Berahino can 
cause uh, United's back for some trouble. So I, I don't think this is a, a foregone conclusion, no matter how badly West Brom are playing. And they are playing badly. Yeah, I mean, they really are not a good team at all at the moment. I, I think Steve Clark is one of those managers that I think should have been given more time, you know, because I, I think there was enough promise there to indicate that. And, and certainly there's been nothing to suggest that Pepe Mel was a particularly smart appointment. Rumours of players being unhappy with his tactics uh, doing the rounds and uh, he might not last the season. Uh, he might do a Mühlenstein uh, and only get a, a, a brief period of the season to uh, to do the job. Yeah, and what, what, what's going on with this? I, I think uh, I'm beginning to believe that a football manager transfer window is yeah is a good idea. So how how many managers can you have in one season? You know, it used to be it used to be it used to be I pretty radical three, yeah. for you to fire a manager in in the middle of the season. Now it's it's very commonplace. More than half of each league uh, or fire a manager over the course of the season. Now now it's becoming fashionable to have two firings because, you know, if they haven't turned the team around completely in six or seven games, they're suddenly under pressure. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think... I think that's the kind of knee-jerk reaction that is making people be really insistent that David Moyes should get time because football's gone to the dogs because it's a knee-jerk reaction all the time. Of course, it's not always knee-jerk to sack your manager after a relatively short period of time. Sometimes it's a sensible thing to do in the face of the evidence. <laughs> not that I've got any particular uh, axe to grind on this on this front. Uh, but yeah, it's, it does seem really crazy to sack two managers in the same season. It, it does seem like, well, you're really you're really saying you made a horrendous mistake uh, with the first attempt at replacing a manager if you do that, aren't you? Yeah, not too many boards sack themselves and uh, I think that's the key uh, element here because, you know, if you pick an executive and he's the key man at, at the club, which Ferguson always said manages the, the key personnel uh, and you get it that badly wrong, you should be thinking about falling on the sword. Uh, it's my opinion. But anyway, we, we digress. We digress. So um, what is your prediction for the weekend, Paul? Do you think United are going to beat the baggies? Um, no, I think it's going to be a two-all draw. There you go. Um, I, 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 that's that's my suspicion. Uh, I, it, this is a terrible season off between these two sides. And obviously United have much more quality. Although West Brom do have quality. You mentioned Berahino, uh, Morrison, a fine player. Their purchase of Victor Anichebe seems uh, rather optimistic. And, and they've obviously hugely missed Lukaku, who had, they had on loan last season. We just have every chance of being completely abject, you know? It's just entirely possible. Like, I think we've got enough going forward that will definitely cause them problems unless Moyes really does re- play some ridiculous 4-4-2. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't mean it's ridiculous to play 4-4-2, but it's like that systematically ridiculous 4-4-2 that he played against Fulham um, and Olympiakos indeed. Uh, but no, I think two all. What do you think, Ed? I think it's going to be a thrilling, thrilling game and uh, United are going to edge this one 1-0. One <laughs> Considering like we've just spent quite a long time before the game making travel arrangements to, for, for you to come and see this game and it's quite logistically complicated. You're a really good advert for the thing you said earlier about how you support, you go and see the team, whatever happens, <laughs> whatever you think is going to happen. I, hey, I, I'm not going to see United. I'm going to see Bafuma Kalusa just because they're... He's got the best name in football. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good name. Adnan Yanazai is in, in with a shout of uh, one of the best names in football, especially when the subtitles on uh, BBC News had him down as uh, Adrian Janet Jazz Jazz Jam. Jazz it was hands. Adrian Janet Jazz Jazz Jam. <laughs> it's, like, I like it. it's like the subtitles guy had three goes at getting it right, but ended up just giving up and calling it a day. Uh, talking of which uh, it's time for us to call this episode of the Rankcast a day but we're not giving up we will be back next week and if you want to get hold of us in the meantime you can get me at UTD Rankcast you can get Ed at United Rant on Twitter you can get us both at facebook.com slash United Rant and uh, all read all the good stuff on unitedrant.co.uk if you want to help out with uh, bandwidth costs uh, that really is very much appreciated at unitedrant.co.uk slash donate and thank you very much to everyone who's done that and helped to keep the show free and ad free and not generating any revenue for anyone very good and we'll see you next week after a mega win against the baggies